Did you know that kinky wellness is integral to your self-development? Hi, welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness, the ultimate destination to explore the integral connection between kinky wellness and your personal development. I'm your host and kinky wellness coach, Dana Shergill, and each Monday, I bring on a special guest to dive into specific aspects of kinky wellness. From unconventional practices to thought-provoking conversations, I'm here to break down barriers and redefine the boundaries of wellness and pleasure. Don't forget to join me for my solo shows on Wednesdays, where I explore even further into the multifaceted layers of kinky wellness. So let's strip away the shame and taboo together and have an open conversation about it. Hey, and welcome back. And also welcome back, Dr. Lynn Anderson. Dr. Lynn is a naturopath, yoga nutritional therapist, fitness professional, karma master, and so much more. And previously, Dr. Lynn was on the show to talk about holistic health. Today, she's back, however, to have a compelling discussion on the vital role of sexual energy in our lives. So without further ado, let's welcome back Dr. Lynn and jump right into this great conversation. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Lynn. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. How about you? I'm good. I'm excited to have you back on the show. I enjoyed our conversation so much last time, so I'm sure this conversation will be just as good. (laughs) We have fun. Yes. Well, today we're going to be talking about sexual health and sexual energy more and just kind of diving into that a little bit more and how the three pillars of health relates to sexual health. Let's do it. Yes. I I think that's an interesting subject for everybody. Well, I think when it comes to sexual energy, I think people don't really understand how important and powerful it really is and that it is an energy that we need to have an outlet for? Absolutely. You know, without the sexual energy and the sexual drive, we could not have procreation. And if you don't have procreation, that's it, you know? So there is that innate drive there, but there's a lot more to it than simply just the, you know, the sexual physical part of it. Well, what I find so interesting is the concept, I guess it's, I'm going to go a little bit into like the womb and things like this, but how really like we come to be here. I think that people should recognize that we are lucky to be here in regards to like, you got there, you got here, you're born. And I think that's a lot to be proud of and just be excited about that. Well, that is true. And, you know, I mean, karma, which, you know, it all links together, karma and sexual health and everything. You know, karma is all about coming here. And really, the goal is to experience joy in life. That's really the goal. Because as we say in karma, you don't take any of the dramas, the problems, or any of that stuff with you when you depart. But what you do take, if you think about it, we all, you know, the memories. I mean, if you lost your memory, and your memories, that would be the worst thing because it's so important to us to have those things. So we think about the physical, but there's so much to do with the mental and the soulful. Yes, and definitely mentally it affects us. And, you know, when we're not honest about what we're feeling, it does affect our sexual health as well. And we become like, we block almost ourselves. It's almost like in a way it's self-sabotaging. That's correct. And it, you know, nature gave this to us as an expression and everything in nature has a sexual expression. So it's not to suppress it, but it's to balance it out and know how to use it in the correct way. Mm, mm. Yeah. And I think 
it's so much bigger and it's deeper than most. Like we've only been taught, sometimes we're not taught anything about it. And I think that's what the problem is. Cause then when you start kind of going into sexual health and sexual energy, it can almost keep going. It just keeps going and going and going. Well, that's true. I mean, we're, we're taught the birds and the bees when we're younger and I don't know about you, but I know that what my mother, she tried, but what she gave me for the birds and bees Boy, I had a lot to learn when I got out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I was raised with in the sense that they really put a lot of trust in the education system, or at least it just wasn't talked about in my household that openly. And what I learned is that you can't learn sexual education just in a semester of high school. Or, and I don't really think you can even learn it at all in just college or university. This is an ongoing thing forever. Absolutely. You're right there, Dana, because through each decade and each period of our lives, things change. You know, when we're young, there is that drive, but that drive is for the procreation. That's when we are as a species. That's when we are the healthiest and the youngest and when we're the most capable, let's say, of raising children. But your sexuality doesn't go away as you get older. It doesn't mean at 80 years old, you don't have that, you know, sexual drive or you don't have that sexual energy. It's just different. Yes. And I think that's what it is too, that it's always with us. And we've been almost conditioned of like, as you age, you should just break down, which is not true at all. And I think even when I've learned through my own health, like I used to be a lot unhealthier before, and I was a little bit overweight and going through that, I realized that you human bodies, like we're not supposed to break down as rapidly as we are. That's correct. We are supposed to, you know, it's supposed to be a process. Hopefully you have a long life and your long life has a process that takes you into different places, different levels of energy as you age. But we also, it's all comes back down to your health. If you're healthy, then each stage that you go through is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be joy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's always the end goal. And sexual energy is joyful. And when we eliminate that, or we don't play with that, or we don't have an outlet, or we just brush it off, like it's no big deal. I don't think that we understand that the intense harm that that really does have on our self esteem and just our confidence levels and how we view ourselves, because it always does tie back to that, I believe. I view sexual energy, you know, is your charisma, and it is your ability to go out and to to be successful in the world, to be able to compete in the world. I mean, all of these things are nature's way of saying, you know, I want to keep this thing going because if we don't compete, right? If we don't get out there and we, we don't do these kinds of things, then again, you know, the human species disappears. So it's important to be able to do all of these things. And I think competition is is healthy too. I feel like it's okay to compete. It's And I also think, in my opinion, it's okay to view somebody and say, I want to be as good as them. And you can also look back and reflect and be like, okay, well, I'm happy that I'm a little bit, not in a negative way or like I'm better than you in a very selfish way, but it's a good judgment of being like, oh, I was here. You can compare yourself to this level and then compare to someone else and be like, I want to be in their shoes and work up to that. Well, that's the difference between, you know, envy and jealousy, which are negative things, and admiring someone. So when you take those things and you turn them around and you say, wow, I really admire, let's see, that woman, she's in great shape and she looks beautiful and she's got self-confidence. I want to emulate her. And that's very different than 
you know, oh, I don't feel comfortable around her. Or, I don't like that woman. You know, she's too pretty. And, you know, as females, and I know you can relate to this, females can be very catty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can be very comparison. And I think that it's a, like we need to acknowledge that a little bit more. And, and to find we need to acknowledge it in order to find a healthy balance of it. That's correct. And, you know, it's it, sometimes you can see someone who's really, really, let's say, super, super attractive. And then, you know, we've all had this experience where the person opens their mouth and the tone of their voice is just a turn off, you know. So we can't always judge things, you know, you don't can't judge a book by its cover, as they say, you know. And sometimes you meet someone that perhaps is maybe not all that attractive but has a charisma, has an energy, is sweet, has all of those things. And what happens? That enhances the sexual health. Yes. And and that's the thing about seduction too. Like you don't have to be conventionally good looking. Like there's people out there that can woo over a crowd. They can get followers and you know you might look at them and be like they're not conventionally good looking but it is that that they connect they can move somebody they can motivate someone and that all comes through the energy that they cultivate but what we would say is they've used they've learned how to use their sexual energy their charisma to project that out there and so that's a wonderful example of using your sexual energy not for the physical act but for the act of being able to produce a, a different kind of thing, maybe not a child, but you're producing, you know, things in work, you're producing books, you're producing art, all of that stuff has a sexual connotation to it. Yeah. And I think that if it's healthy in the sense that it, it's necessary, like you do want this things for you in your life, because it, it almost makes things easier. And you can work with other people and you want you do need to find like a group of people that you can connect with. And so when you don't have any sexual energy and you don't connect with anybody and you're just, it's like, you're not really going anywhere with that. Well, if you think about a little flirting and a little smiling, and I mean, innocent flirting, and I'm a big flirt, you know, I think I flirt with women. I flirt with men. I flirt with children. I flirt with everybody. You know, I just like to get, I like to say something that kind of a wink in my eye and gets them to smile. Well, that's a use of sexual energy. And that person I always see that that person gets like a surge of energy, a boost. And that is their sexual energy coming back and saying, well, that felt really good just to have a little fun. Yeah. So what would be some other ways that we can build up our sexual energy? Well, of course, when we talked and we talked about the pillars of health, you know, that's really important. Your diet, people don't realize that their diet is just their sexual energy is just as important with through their diet as it is, you know, taking care of, you know, your heart and your lungs and your muscles, your sexual energy, your hormones, how you produce those hormones is dependent upon what we take into our body to eat. And hormones is a big one. I think now I watched a lot of information about like how hormones and weight gain. And if your hormones are out of whack, then you can retain weight, it will be struggling to lose it. And I think that we've been so conditioned that the only way to lose weight and things like that is through exercise. And that's not the case. If your hormones are out of balance, that is a huge factor now. That's a wonderful point, because you are right. I mean, we target in and we say, okay, diet and exercise. And of course, those are the those are the basic for losing weight or managing your weight. But what's going on in the chemistry within your body? Some people have a low thyroid, 
so they can't produce that kind of energy that helps them to be able to manage their weight or lose weight. So yeah, we have to look at what's going on within the whole human being when we, when we address these things. Yeah. And the foods that we are eating or that they're out there, it's very difficult to just find what's good for you. Cause if you do live in a, like an area where you're dependent on the labels, not even everything is on the labels. So it's, you're kind of, you don't really, you don't know, you don't know. We come back to, you know, of course it's whole foods. I mean, whenever you are eating whole natural foods and especially if they're in season and they're local, then you're getting the vitamins and minerals that nature wants you to get at that particular time in your life. Give you an example of that. As we're coming into the fall and the winter, the vegetables that are around are the squashes, right? We have squashes and we have a heavier, denser vegetable that comes out in the fall. And those all produce vitamin A and vitamin E, two things that are really important for your sexual hormones. Now, if you reverse that back and look at the summertime, what comes out in the summertime? It's the melons, right? because we need more liquids in the summer. So if we follow nature, she's gonna take us down the right road. It's just, we, it's a lot easier to go into the grocery store and buy you know, packaged food. And that's how, what's happened to us as a society. Well, even how we're eating our foods too. For instance, it's like if you get a fruit smoothie and then you eat just fruit on its own, how the sugars are broken down are different. And I think people need to acknowledge how we eat our food. If you eat a strawberry in its whole form and then you make a strawberry shake, the sugars have already, they immediately go into your bloodstream faster. And that can also like give you a sugar spike and your glute, like all of these things. And so even how we're eating it can affect you. Absolutely. And of course, when you're eating the fruit whole, you're getting the fiber that you also need to get, you know, and you are getting the vitamins and minerals that are working synergistically. So they're coming together. You also are using your jaw and your mouth, you know, and as I tell my students, the most important joint in your body is your jaw. We don't think about that, but your jaw is, if you don't have a jaw that works, you can't eat, you can't breathe, you can't talk. So that's a pretty important joint up there, you know? Yeah, and we pay a lot of attention to that one. Actually, I don't think I you even just saying that right now. I don't think I have put that much effort on thinking about the job, but you're absolutely right. And um, I did see like mouth breathing versus nose breathing and things like that, and how that relates to our health as well. Right. Well, your jaw also holds your your teeth, so you need your teeth to be able to chew. So when we take food in, it is important that we chew because chewing, what chewing does is it creates saliva and the saliva has enzymes in it, which feed your microbiota. So when you swallow the food with the enzymes, it's going down and it's working together synergistically to digest the food properly and assimilate it out. So it's a really important to eat whole foods. Yes. Yes. And for the other two pillars of health and how they relate back, obviously sleeping is a big one. I did see that women need more sleep than men. I'm not too sure. I didn't look too deep into that, but if you had any opinions on that, I'd love to hear that. Well, I think basically, basically they say everybody needs, you know, seven to eight good quality sleep. And that's the whole, that's the key right there. You can get 10 hours of sleep and there's no quality to the sleep because you've been restless or you haven't really gone into that zone that you need to go into. 
And so many of you know, we all know what it's like to wake up after an, an eight hour night and go, I don't, I'm, I just don't have any energy. I'm tired. Mm. And we all have had experiences. We've had a six hour night and got up and had tons of energy. So it all goes back to quality of sleep. That's what's really important. Now, do you have any tips to help people with quality of sleep? I do. You know, you have the third eye. The third eye is everybody knows, you know, that's right between your eyebrows. But that third eye, what that really means is it's connected to the pineal gland. And the pineal gland is the only gland in your body other than your eyes that can detect direct sunlight or direct light. And that's why we're told to have it dark in the bedroom when you go to sleep. Because the pineal gland is what, what kind of works in there to get the melatonin and everything going to get you into that quality of sleep. Melatonin needs serotonin. And everything in life, remember, has a connection. Everything in life is synergistic. So when we eat, and people always think about turkey, let's say. Turkey is tryptophan. Turkey produces serotonin. When we have serotonin, that goes up and it connects with the pineal gland and it says, okay, now let's produce the melatonin. Melatonin goes in and it cleans up all the garbage that we've made throughout the day in our little brains, which we all do. And that's what's really important to get quality of sleep. So people are always thinking about supplements and stuff, but it would be more, it would be more beneficial to eat foods that have, you know, combined foods that are, are serotonin as well. Okay, that's good to know. Is there any other types of food that include that? Or turkey is like the big example? Fish. So it's mostly your, it would be turkey and fish and chicken. I mean, some meat has it as well, but it's really more, it's really kind of coming with the proteins and making sure that you're getting the serotonin from that. Because 90% of your serotonin's developed in your gut. Very small amount is in your brain. Your gut's got to push it up to your brain because um, that's why we call the gut the second brain because it's I, down there producing most of your serotonin. The more that I go into just health in general, I feel like our gut is one of those, is the top dog when it comes to a lot of things. It always somehow comes back to the gut. A lot of infections, diseases, they start in the gut. A lot of, uh, so many issues are affected in the gut and the liver, I think is what I've seen. Uh, you know, if we talk about just our sexual health, you know, you have to be able to digest food. That's very important. That's why it's important to chew and get the saliva. But once it gets into your gut, there has to be the assimilation. Because if the body can't assimilate those vitamins and minerals out to the hormones and to the, to the organs and all of that stuff, then you're not going to, you're not going to live. So it has to assimilate it, but it also has to make sure it eliminates. And that's the three processes for life. If you don't have digestion, assimilation, and elimination, life will cease. Mm, mm, that's very important. Now, with the third pillar, and how would that reflect into our sexual health? Well, exercise, of course. And exercise, we all know the endorphins. We all know, you know, when you're exercising, you feel better in your body. And you're also, you have that uplift. And that's why exercise is really important. And specifically, there, you know, there are a lot of exercises that are really good for your sexual health. Like, for example, Kegels. You know, in my classes, we do um, squats. And when they come up from the squat, I have them squeeze between their legs so that they're working those PC muscles because those support your sexual um, organs as well as, you know, your uh, bladder. So that's really important to be able to strengthen those muscles as well. 
And I think with exercise, it still generates energy. Like you, sometimes yeah. you can get out and you're like even more wide awake. You're, I can do this. You just went for a run and you're like, wow, okay. I probably could go again. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and when, and then sexuality, as much as the physical part it has more to do with the mental part, you know, that's the aphrodisiac is the mind. There's no such thing as food aphrodisiacs. And the aphrodisiacs that people talk about, like, for example, chocolate. Chocolate has something which call, is called pee in it. And it, it's a process that goes through and it stimulates the dopamine. It stimulates that uplifting part in your body. That's why people like chocolate. And that is why historically it's always been that men brought chocolate to their sweetheart because they give them chocolate it makes them feel good they want to you know be amorous and, and that's but but there are different chemical things in different foods that we eat that support our health our uh, sexual health yeah absolutely and I think when it comes to exercise and sex is that you if you don't want to go to the gym you really can turn your sex life into a you can break a sweat in your sex and you should be almost encouraged to do that because you can almost have more fun. Like you will be like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Cause it won't, it's when you're just having missionary sex, it doesn't feel like that's great too. If you want to just do that, but there are other moves that do require muscle work. It like stamina is a big one too, that people should work on, especially when it comes to your sex life. Absolutely. Now think for a moment, if you're physically weak, you know, if your muscles are weak and you've got a bad back and you're, you know, you're not going to be able to have sex. So no matter how much you want it, your body is just not going to be able to do that. So it's important to keep those things nice and strong. And yes, sex, you can burn a lot of calories in sex. So, you know, I mean, kissing for, I think it's one minute of a really strong kiss burns 10 calories. Well, it's 10 calories. <laughs> That's know. cute. Yeah, there you do go. 10 those, do 10 of those and you burnt, a, you know, 100 calories. Yeah. And now we mentioned that the mind is also a big, big part of it. And obviously getting into a mood and things like that. And so even if you're not feeling very sexual and stuff, I, I was talking with someone else and they had a great idea of just being open and willing to just trying, which you could start with just making out and kissing and see where it goes. Because sometimes we aren't in the mood, but you can still generate small things to get yourself there. Well, that's why they call, you know, the mind, the greatest aphrodisiac. It is the one because that's where it all begins. Attraction begins in the mind. You know, you see someone and, you know, chemistry will say, for example, chemistry is a very an elusive thing because why do you walk in a room and you feel this chemistry towards someone in the room when there might be five other guys there and you, there's, it's not there, but what is it? And we, we really don't know what that is. That, you know, what that thing called chemistry, but we are drawn to certain people for certain reasons. And when that happens, that usually leads to sexual activity. Yes. And these are all important things. And I think when it comes to sex and just in general, like the idea that, no, I don't want to have sex. I'm not a sexual person. I don't feel very good. I don't feel like these are all things that you can take in your own hands and change because when you do feel good about yourself, things just happen to you that are positive because you have a more positive outlook on life. Correct. When you send that out there and it's the same thing. If you're 
if your body is in really, you know, and in good shape, you don't have to be, you know, your classic, beautiful body and all that, but your body is healthy and it's moving and your mind is upbeat, you know, and you've got a good night's sleep. You are a sexy person. People see that, that energy flows and people see that and you attract more people, attract the kind of people that you want to attract. Yes. Now, if someone's feeling a little bit down on themselves and maybe they're lost touch with their sexual energy, what are some tips that you'd be able to help someone regain that or at least go down the path of reconnecting with their sexual energy? Well, the most the most important thing to realize is that you are a unique individual. There is no one on this earth like you. You are unique and you are on your unique path. And the problem is we compare our path to other people's paths. In fact, because one of the things that karma tells us that gets us into trouble when we start comparing our progress down the path to where other people are at. And so it's important to let go of that stuff and see yourself for the beautiful human being that you are and stop looking for the, do I have the perfect size hips? Do I have the perfect breasts? Do I have, you know, that stuff doesn't matter. When it comes to sexual attraction, when it comes to relationships, those things are very minor. Think about it. When you meet a guy, if he's really, really good looking and he's got all the pieces together, but he, he doesn't have, he's, he's not bright, you know, he's not attractive. But if a guy comes along and he's got that charisma and he, you know, he can flirt a little and he's got to come, he it becomes very attractive to you. Yeah. And confidence, confidence is key. And I do like your point about comparing. I think a lot of people, especially with social media that has amplified our ideal of comparing someone else to almost like a falsehood of what we're looking at. Cause of course, mostly everybody posts positive things and it can be disheartening. You know, I, of course I'm quite a bit older than you are. So I've been down the road quite, quite a bit here. But, you know, I remember one day I was in and I was teaching my uh, class and this lovely young lady who always came to my class, she comes in and she was just, she was complaining about her hips, how big they were. And I looked at her and I said, you know, when I see you, when I look at you, I see this beautiful young lady with this gorgeous smile. You've got skin your skin you're in your 30s enjoy it by the time you get to be my age you're gonna have wrinkles you know and your hair is beautiful those are the things we should focus on not the size of our hips mm -hmm. and those type of things you can't they're out of your control almost like it's your bone structure like one of those things of learning to let go of certain things because they are out of your control that is correct. Yeah. I mean, everybody is different. We're all built different. We're all think different. Everyone is unique. And that's, it's so important to let go of that comparison. And again, let go of the jealousy and the envy and the comparison and maybe admire and say, wow, I really, and who are you going to admire? I will tell you when you look out there, it's going to be the one that's got the big smile. It's the one that's warm. It's the one that draws you in. It's not the classically beautiful female that's on, you know, social media that is just beyond most people's reach. It's just not who we are. I mean, I, I don't, you know, if you want to spend $100,000 on plastic surgery, you can create that, you know, Barbie look, you know, you can do that. Most people don't have that kind of money. And is that real? 
No. No. And I think even with, I was having a really good conversation with one of my friends about plastic surgery and about how, again, like we have a whole culture that actually pushes people to be disconnected with their body and they want people to be disconnected because there is a lot of money to be made in plastic surgery is one of them because it's like, oh, we can help fix this and make you feel better. And if it does, that's great. But sometimes, you know, a lot of times that I've seen it's people do get the surgery and they still feel the same inside. That, that's correct, because you have to start from the inside out. So if you've got, let's say you've got a really positive attitude and you're really, but let's say you've got a big nose. Well, you know, we'll go there. And you go and you have it shaped because it just fits better with your face and you feel a little better, but you felt good to begin with. You loved yourself to begin with mm. and it's going to be great. But we have to love ourselves exactly as we are because go back to it and you have to say to yourself, I am a unique human being. There's no one like me in the world. That's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And I think people forget that we've almost lost touch with, if you say I'm special, we've kind of got this idea like, well, no one's special, no one's special, but we are special. Like you are special. We are special. I am special. And I think that more people really need to say, that's okay. You're allowed to say, I am special. I am unique. You're right. You know, because we, you know, we kind of call that, you know, being egotistical, but it's not egotistical. Mm. Egotistical is I'm better than you. You know, I'm more attractive than you. I'm smarter than you. That's the ego coming in. But to come in and say, you know what, I'm a really special individual and I have my own special talents and I'm going to tap into those talents and that's going to be who I am. Yes. And that all feels back to your sexual energy of being your authentic self. Exactly. Correct. Because when you are authentic, when you come out and you step out into the world that way, I can tell you that energy comes to you, positive energy that you can't even imagine the things that will happen to you. But we have to get over that, that, that fence and get to that place where we accept ourselves for who we are. Yes. And I think it, it, in even the circles and the influences that we have can dictate over that. So if you're around people that make you feel small and you're around people that aren't serving you in the best ways possible, then it will be even tougher. So it's really a hard look of maybe you were friends with someone and maybe you've grown in different directions or something like that. And they don't like the change that you've seen, but you still need to put yourself in a place where you're valued. Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, it's those kind of people, you know, toxic people, we need to remove those people, but we need to remove them with a blessing, mm -hmm. you know, wish them and I always say to people, wish them the very best and understand that maybe someone, let's say you have someone in your circle that's always negative, 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 negative. Maybe that's the best they can do right now. They can't do any better. Their consciousness hasn't come to the level where they understand the negativity and how it's pushing people away and how it's destroying their sexual sexuality. You know, and so we have to sort of step back and take a look at that and, and remove ourselves from that but always bless them. Yes. And also recognize that we don't need to always constantly connect with people through gossiping, through being negative, through complaining. There are other avenues that you can connect with someone, not just like, oh, I hate my job. Oh, I hate my job too. Like it doesn't always have to be such a negative thing. 
Right, right. And it, yes. And when we come together and we support each other, that's, you know, better than being alone. You know, it's important, yes, to have friends. It's important to have those social contacts. In fact, one of the things that they found when people get older, say get older, is one of the really important things, because we think about older people, low diet and all that stuff, and it's important. But socialization is extremely important for human beings. Once you take the socialization out, humans go downhill. They become depressed. They are isolated. It doesn't matter what age it is. We are social beings. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be social. So it's important to be social. Yes. And it also helps with all sorts of things. That's how you can build your charisma. You can all like you can't test it out unless you practice it. Absolutely. Yeah. You need to jump into that crowd and walk into that room and walk up to somebody and talk to them and, you know, and not be afraid, you know, 99% of the time, if you walk across the room and you talk to somebody, they're not going to turn their back on you. In fact, they may be the person who's feeling really insecure, who really needs somebody to connect with them so they can have a conversation. So it's walking in and it's looking around and it's just connecting with people. Yes. And I think that it can be a little nerve wracking and scary, but that's the type of stress that's good for you. It's positive because like there's EU stress, right? There's different types of stresses, but EU stress is the one where like that helps you motivate, that helps you get through tough things. Like you get it when you go on roller coasters and you'll also get it when you're connecting with someone for the first time, like a little nervous, but at the end it all works out. Well, yeah, and stress is, you know, when people get married, for example, there's a tremendous amount of stress. That's a positive stress, but it's a stress. And you're right. We don't always think, oh, wait a minute, when you when you get married, when you go off to college, when you, you know, have a baby, when you start a new job, when you move, those things are extremely stressful, positive stressful, but they are stressful. Yes. Yes. And I think when it comes to sex and like the negative things in life, sex is one of those elements where you can take those negative elements and turn them into a positive or at least have an area where you can show it or experience it in your control in a positive light. Exactly. And it, you know, it all comes back to, and it is not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy to be positive enough all the time. You know, we all have our little dips and things like that, but it's a, the question is, what are you here for? And what is it this is all about? It's to find joy. That's what that's what life, human life is about, to find joy. And when you begin to find joy or you begin to start to look for it in your life, and that's what you draw into your life, it totally changes everything in your life. Yeah. And joy is one of those things that we don't talk about that much. Like we can say, oh, it's better to be happy, but Joy is something that it's contagious. You, know, like you walk in, someone starts laughing, and then all of a sudden everybody else is laughing. They're not too sure what they're laughing about, but everyone just starts laughing. Like those are one of those moments that are really ch- like to cherish. And it's happiness, you know. And you know, we couldn't we couldn't live without laughter. You know, Jimmy Buffett, the late Jimmy Buffett said, you know, if we couldn't all laugh, we'd go insane. And think about it. And the other thing to think about with the laughter and joy is it doesn't know, it, it, it goes across all cultures. Mm. Every culture laughs. You know, I've been fortunate to travel all over the world. And I can tell you, I've been in situations where we couldn't communicate. The, I didn't know their language. I didn't know mine, but we laughed. 
And the laughter was like, and we both knew what it was. And it was a hug because the laughter was inviting and everybody in every culture laughs. Yeah. And that's a very valid point. Like laughter, love, music, those are all things that can transfer across everything. Yeah. And so it's very important to when we go out and we look at other people across the world and sometimes, you know, we can't always connect to what's going on in their culture, but it's embracing who the human being is. All human beings laugh, all human beings cry, all human beings experience sadness and they experience joy. Doesn't matter what color your skin is, doesn't matter what your your background is, where you're coming from, that's what we all share. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's very true. Now, when it comes to sexual energy, is there something specific that you wish people really knew about it? I think it's more that it's not the physical part or the, you know, there's the, the pornography part. There's that kind of it, you know, and of course, that certainly is not as a part of sexuality. But sexuality really begins with you. If you don't connect and feel good with your sexuality, you're not going to have a good sexual relationship. doesn't matter who the person is. You've got to come with to that relationship with a healthy sexual being. And if they come and you both get together, then it's really dynamic. Yeah. And also to your point, like you can build and learn from it, but you can't expect someone to give you this self-confidence. Like, you can't expect, oh, if I just have sleep with this person, they'll make me more in touch with my sexual energy. Like that's so you can't seek it outwardly. That is correct. And when you go looking for a relationship, any kind of a relationship, you look for it to find that in anyone else or anything else. Like, let's say you buy a big fancy car to make yourself feel good. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to become from within you. And when it comes from within you and it's healthy, then you're going to buy a a sexy car. You're going to drive a sexy car. You're going to be sexy and cute in that car, (laughs) you know, and that's okay. It's okay. As long as you understand what you're doing and how you're putting it all together. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. Just really that self-awareness of why you're doing what you're doing is a big one. A lot of people I think are uh, on autopilot. I look back even in my younger years of like, why did I do that? I think I was just kind of casually going through whatever I was told or whatever I was raised with. Like I wasn't really critically thinking about stuff. And then when I regained that self-awareness, I was like, no, like I feel way more empowered. I know what I'm doing and why. Exactly. And you know, sexual energy goes all the way back to self-confidence because you you take a person who has no self-confidence, they're not putting off that sexual energy. They won't draw that to them. But if someone walks in a room, and I can tell you, I've seen it a million times, they don't have to be classically beautiful. They don't have to be classically handsome, but they got that self-confidence. Boy, your head's going to spin, you know, because we're drawn to that energy. Yeah. And I think people can practice this in their own home, sit up taller, shoulders back, head up. I, these are things that trick your brain and say, oh, you're, you're smiling. Your shoulders are back. We must be positive because we're standing in a positive posture. And those things actually do help kind of like the fake it till you make it type of attitude. Yeah. But you know, we're all, we all have our special talents. We're all, we're all beautiful human beings. We just, unfortunately we have a consumerism that kind of, you know, tells us that, well, if you dress like this and you look like this and you drive this and you live here, you're going to be, you know, sexy and you're going to be, you know, successful. 
but those aren't the elements that are successful. It has to begin within you. And then all those things will come to you. Mm-hmm. And like we have, a, I feel like in some of our influences, especially in media, it's very narrow viewpoint of what sexiness is. And that's not always sexy to everybody. But if you fall kind of outside of that, or if you don't agree with those type of things that have been pushed out, it's like, oh, well, you don't know what you're doing or you don't like you're irrelevant. Right. And of course, then what we you know, we standardize everything, you know, just like our, when we began our podcast, we talked about, you know, when you're in school and you're in, you know, a sex education class, it's very standardized. It's, you know, it's like, that's what they give you. But that's just a very small part of what it's all about. It's not just, you know, the sperm and the egg and the procreation, because humans, if you think humans have sex not to procreate. Other animals, you know, nature, when do they have sex? It's to procreate. They don't have sex on a regular basis, but humans do. So we have a different drive in there. We have a need to hug. We have a need to kiss. We have a need to be coddled. We have a need to have that, make that connection. So very important to us as human beings. And so our sexuality is even bigger than the rest of nature. Yes, it's and it's quite interesting. And we're lucky that we have so many avenues of expression to do it and that we can make it very unique to ourselves and how we want to do it. Exactly, exactly. So we have that, we have that consciousness, we have that ability to do that. It goes right back to your mind. You know, your mind is your greatest aphrodisiac, you know. Yes. Well, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything that you'd like to just add? Well, the only thing I would, I would just circle right back and say, you know, find joy in your life. Life goes by really fast. It's a short walk here on earth. And, you know, when you're in your 20s and your 30s, life looks different. When you get to be 60 and 70 and 80, you're going to look back and say, you don't want to say, damn, I wish I hadn't worried about, you know, a, a pimple on my face, you know, or that my hips were not totally proportion with my waist or whatever, those things are immaterial. They're, they don't mean a thing as you transverse down life. Yes, very true. And I do agree with that in the sense that I think people are rushing too much almost like yeah. um, this dread of aging, but it doesn't have to be dreadful. Like, and, but if you view it as dreadful, then yes, that's, it's only going to get worse. But again, it comes back to what you were saying, like our mind controls everything in our viewpoint. Yep. So that it's, it's all about getting up every day and just enjoy the day. Cause you don't know how long you, you, you're going to walk on this earth. None of us know. We don't yes. know. And so yes. how many days, how many, how many opportunities are going to let slip by you, you know, and have um, fun, have fun with yeah, it. Yeah. If you have fun, because yeah. And I mean, at the end of your life, as well as joy, the, the real question is, did you have any fun? You know, you got to have fun. <laughs> yes. And, you know, again, sexual energy is there for fun. What you said, joy, pleasure. These are all positive things. That is why we have it. That's why we do it. And it should remain that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's it's very important. Take care of your sexual health. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming back on the show. And where can my listeners find you? Uh, they can go to drlynn.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-L-Y-N-N.com. That's the website. And any they can find stuff about me. They can find my classes. They can find my books. Um, everything is right there at drlynn.com. 
Absolutely. We'll make sure to put all the links in the description. And for my listeners, I will see you on Wednesday. And you guys know what to do. As always, stay kinky.